Are you ready? We got meetings, yo. Okay. Welcome to the Arrogant Healthcare Marketing Bastards podcast for the week of July 2, 2012. This is episode 155. I'm Chris Bevelo, president of Interval. We are the healthcare marketing firm that puts on the podcast. With me today, live in studio with breaking news, is Jackie Retago, a co coordinator with Interval. <laughs> and Adam Meyer, creative director with Interval. The crack news team of Interval <laughs> is on the breaking news. We're, we're joking because we're actually recording. People know we record this before it posts. And we're recording the morning of the Supreme Court. In fact, right. uh, really, in fact, we started this maybe 15 minutes after it started. So this is like news back in the whatever, 1800s, where somebody would report it. And then, it, you know, you wouldn't like, uh, what's the famous example? Oh, the, the famous hockey game, the 1980 hockey game. U.S. beats Russia, mm-hmm. you know, if you believe in miracles. Was it Olympics? Or was yes, it, okay, it was okay. Olympics. That didn't air live. Right. Right? A lot of, like, famous sports events never aired live, and then you'd see them tape delayed. So this is a little kind more tape delayed, like, like four days. <laughs> right? Maybe not as exciting as that game. No. But, of course, all of you by now, I'm sure, are well aware the Supreme Court has upheld uh, Obamacare, or whatever its official name is. I used to know it. The Patient Affordable Care and Protection Act. Something like that. Pack pop. That works. What's that? Nothing. I'm just making an acronym for it. <laughs> yes. So we're not even going to dive into the implications of that now because clearly, I mean, <clears throat> we, have, we need some time to think about that. We haven't had months and months to think about. Uh, I think it is surprising, though, I'll have to say. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting was, we'll talk about this, but... The first report from CNN, which is my trusted news source, and I say that jokingly now, was that they struck down the mandate. Big, bold headline. Uh, and so yeah, maybe I'm giving my politics away a little bit, but I was a little disappointed, but not surprised. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm actually very surprised that they upheld it pretty much in its entirety, it sounds like. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about the media for a little bit, because that's more fun to talk about. So we posted this on our Facebook page, uh, and we'll provide a link to it, but uh, like I said, when I heard the news, I saw it on my smartphone. CNN, <clears throat> big, bold headline, breaking news, Supreme Court strikes down mandate. Mm-hmm. Didn't say anything else about the rest of it. So coming to the office, Adam's in here setting up for the podcast. Took me about – now, I'm very tech-savvy when it comes to TV. I will say that right away. I can rig <laughs> up your TV and surround sound in 2.4 hours, which know. is better than the American <laughs> average. 2.4 But I could not get the TV on. To cable, and we have some problems with our TV setup in the office. But the big, the biggest being our wine-soaked remote control. Your no. fingers stick to the button. We had an open happen? house like two years ago, and somebody's built wine on the remote control, <laughs> and we use a TV so rarely that it's still sticky. <laughs> but by the time I got it up, um, it they were talking about how the mandate, you know, couldn't be supported with the Commerce Clause, but could with the tax code and. And basically we're saying that they had upheld it. So I jumped online and found on CNN.com on my computer a big headline, Upheld. So I took a picture of that, and then I took a picture of my of the website on my mobile phone, which I had not refreshed, took a right. screenshot of Smart. it. Smart. So I, you can see both of them. 
Did you go through like that. 10 emotions during that course of time? It was, it was, well, my emotions were like, man, I, I thought I was tech savvy, but oh. how do I get these pictures onto Twitter and Facebook in a quick way? And I stumbled. And, well, I meant emotions about the mandate, but. Oh yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Healthcare for me. Not your tech whatever. savviness. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, let's not spend too much time on that because obviously by the time people hear this, it's going to be chewed over like a old bone in the yard. Yeah, it's going to be old news. <laughs> right. The other thing I will mention, though, and we talked about this, too, uh, this happened with the Arizona immigration ruling. But if you recall, the punditry, the talking heads, the lamestream media, their almost consensus take when the Supreme Court had its hearings on the uh, health reform bill uh, was negative. Oh, they were really hard on the on the um, whoever the lawyers for the Justice Department, I would assume, or the lawyers for Obama. Mm-hmm. You know, that's really doesn't bode well. Sure, doesn't look like they're going to uphold it. Whatever. And so, people try to read into the justices' questions, and they did the same thing with the immigration law, where oh, they were really tough on it. You can hear the skepticism, and they, in general, supported the the federal's government's position. So. I th- hopefully people will finally learn their lesson not to listen to these idiots, A, <laughs> because seriously, the track record is horrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and B, if you stop and think about it, uh, if you're a Supreme Court justice and you have a position on something and you really care about your job, which you hope all nine of them do, uh, let's say that you think Obamacare is valid. If I were in that role, I would push myself to the nth degree. I would ask all the questions... That would, that would try to knock it down to make sure I felt more confident in it. From the outside, that might look like I'm being skeptical and, and don't like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but really what I'm doing is just trying to reassure myself that I've covered all my bases. Mm-hmm. So that could be another way to read into their tough questioning. Uh, but anyway, do you guys listen to all that stuff? I just tune it out. I can't li- and As soon Not as there's really. two people on the screen talking, I have to tr- oh, turn, it, yeah. turn it off. Boy, it just turns into a, like a childish pissing match. It's yeah. just... Yeah. It's, it's, it totally is. It's hard it's to fighting watch. fighting for airtime. Yeah. Everybody's more... I, mean, I think people, so many people are, more, are concerned about making a name for themselves or being memorable when they, give, when they get there a few minutes on TV that it's, you know, the, the topic becomes an afterthought and mm-hmm. being a spectacle becomes the, you know, the goal or the objective. Right. But I don't know. I've, I used to keep CNN or MSNBC open in my browser at all times as a tab or a separate window before yeah. tabs. Um, and throughout the course of the day would bounce to it regularly. Um, it's been a couple of years since I've done that because there's, I just, I don't, I find so I I'm finding less and less value in what the main, what mainstream media has to offer. I mean, I'm not saying that it's not valuable and I'm not saying that it's total crap, but it's getting pretty close. <laughs> Mm-hmm. It's just, it's so yeah. hard to, well, this is a perfect example. It's so hard to know what, you know, what are their incentives for, for this, for this crap? I mean, and they, they rip on, you know, bloggers and you know, the, the Twitterverse <laughs> right. for jumping on things before there's facts. Well, you can't, uh, clearly that's, <laughs> they were, they were the first in line to do it here and they yeah. have been before. Yeah. So, it's annoying unfortunate it is unfortunate obviously there's a lot to think about um as far as the implications of this for healthcare. Mm-hmm. but again we won't dive into that today plenty of time plenty of time 
Uh, this will be posted the week of July 2nd, so we will say happy birthday to America, which will be a, either a day or two after you hear this, probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple other announcements before we get into our content. Uh, I am, I think I mentioned this before, but I will be in Indiana in July, July 24th, speaking at the Indiana Hospital Association, doing a Joe Public Doesn't Care About Your Hospital presentation and a marketing measurement presentation. So if you are in Indiana, I hope to see you there. Uh, Jackie, you have uh, another event that you want to tout locally here? I do, yes. I think I mentioned this on a previous podcast, but... Mission, which is the Minnesota Health Strategy and Communications Network, is co-hosting with IABC Minnesota a night out with the twins. So it is a happy hour followed by a twins game on July 31st. And so we're encouraging people to sign up and registration closes next Thursday. So if you want to, go the to the 5th? mission. Mm-hmm, July so this 5th. Thursday. Oh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, depending. I mean, this I always Thursday get, the 5th. People always get confused on that. Yeah, like I know. today is As, Thursday so for I. us. If I said next weekend, what would you think I'm talking about? The weekend after the fourth. Yeah, me too. But there are other people that would say, "What do you mean this weekend?" No, this weekend is this weekend. It's not past. You're always looking in the future, right? Right. Anyway, sorry. No, it's okay. Anyways, people, <laughs> remember July fifth and sign up. It should be it should be really fun. So yeah, that sounds like fun. I unfortunately can't be there, but um, I will yeah. be having fun. What Elsewhere on a beach somewhere. Mm-hmm. Boo-hoo. Yes. Okay, and one more announcement. This is a shout-out to Ethan. Ethan is uh, probably our number one fan in Virginia. And hopefully we're shaping Ethan's views so he will grow up to be a strong advocate for marketing transformation. Interval? A strong <laughs> advocate for interval. And for interval, yes. So, Ethan, thanks for listening, buddy. All right. You ready to move on? Yeah. To our first topic. All right. So this article uh, is interesting on two levels. One, because I think it makes some great points about TV. The other, because it's written by someone in England. So through, <laughs> throughout the article, it's got little like English oh, twists in it. Yeah. Uh, it is talking about the U.S. television yeah. market, but I've titled this podcast or this, this topic, uh, I'm Not Dead Yet. TV still makes an impact. I'm not dead yet. I'm not dead yet. I feel happy. You like a go for a walk. <laughs> All right, we won't even ask Jackie if she knows the reference to that. I totally don't. My nine-year-old daughter out. would know the reference to that. Oh. <laughs> they love that movie. Is that like a total blow on me? Uh, no, not necessarily. <laughs> my no. Nine, well, my nine-year-old daughter would know. <laughs> no, they just love, my kids love what Monty is it? Python, the Holy Grail. Oh, Monty Python. Gosh, and that's I have a pretty never famous seen that movie. scene. Yeah. Bring out your dead. Yes. And the, the best line in that whole, that whole scene is at the end when the king rides by and the one guy goes, there goes the king. And he goes, how do you know it's the king? Cause he doesn't got shit all over. Him. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's in that line, right? That's in that scene. Uh, that's the scene where the peasants are digging alongside uh, the I road. Think it's, I think it's the scene with the bring out your dead. Uh, I think it's, I don't know. We'll see. Maybe, maybe that's all. I thought fine. it was the one where the peasants were digging on the side of the road. Okay, so this is an article from Future Lab called Is TV Being Ignored? The Evidence uh, by Dirk Singer, posted in June of this month. And he's building off a comment uh, from Mitt Romney's digital uh, director for his campaign. So his name is Zach Moffat. And in an interview with The Guardian, which is an English uh, publication, 
Uh, Zach Moffat, again, the digital campaign marketer for Mitt Romney, justified the campaign's investment in digital by talking about consumers who are quote-unquote off the grid. Uh, and what he's talking about is uh, there's no reason or we should stop really focusing on TV so much. Nobody's on TV. Uh, and this is what the article says. By this he meant the third of Americans who no longer watch live TV except sports and so are largely immune to TV advertising. It's an appealing statement for those of us who earn our living in this field, but is it any way accurate? Needless to say, the answer is not black and white, but it involves shades of gray. We're going to hear shades of gray now, like yeah, everywhere. everywhere. But that was before the book, by the way. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so let's see here. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to read from this, and then I'll, we can talk, because there's a lot of good stuff in here. So the author quotes uh, the, the Guardian story, which says that in the U.S., about a third of people no longer watch live TV. Now, what I would like to know there is whether that's a third of the whole, you know, the gen pop, to use prison speak, a third of the entire population, <laughs> or television watching has dropped off by a third from some previous. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm sure it's like the whole population. Right. I mean, there is a... What do you think the percentages of people who just don't watch TV? I mean, not like have moved away from live TV, but just don't watch it as a rule. Five or ten? I was going to say 20. No. You think it's that high? <laughs> it could be. They just don't watch TV? You know, don't you know people that are like, don't oh, I don't own watch one? TV? I mean, I think half the I people who say TV. that are full of bollocks, to use an English term. <laughs> I don't watch TV. You never watch TV? It's very, it's very rare. Okay. But do you do you make a political statement out of it like I don't watch TV? Oh gosh, no. I don't believe in TV. I mean, TV. I, I would TV's never not have you. a TV or something. Okay, well that's what I mean. Yes. All right, so you have a TV. Right. Right. There are people that don't have TVs in their homes. Correct. And it's not because they can't I mean there's some that can't afford them obviously. <laughs> um, but it's more that it's a, it's a social or political or cultural kind of Right. You know. Okay. Uh, and the same holds up in uh, England by the way. Of course, these people haven't stopped watching TV altogether. They just watch it via their, now this is English speak, PVRs or services such as BBC's iPlayer. (laughs) (laughs) So the the point is, a lot of people aren't watching live TV anymore. And Adam, we've talked about this before. Um, One of the things that this article points out is that your age makes a huge difference. Mm Mm-hmm. So for, the, for people under 25, TV is the third most essential media behind mobile phones and the Internet, which is interesting. They separate those two out, but they do. So they must be talking about mobile phone in terms of texting. Yeah, and, texting and but, calling. But if you're getting media through your phone, that's the Internet. Right, or if you're on Facebook on your phone, you're still on the Internet. The Internet is what enables Facebook to be what it is. So if you're Facebooking, <laughs> you're on the Internet. That's right. <laughs> Um, and by the way, the reason we're talking about this, I should stop here for a second. When I speak a lot about Joe Public doesn't care about your hospital, mm-hmm. that message is basically because what we have to sell, people aren't buying. So if you're out there talking about how great you are and your ratings and your Da Vinci robot, the vast majority of people aren't in the market for those, and so they ignore them. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the main problem. But the secondary problem is you know, consumers really only pay attention to relevant information and the tools and technologies that are in place that enable that are increasing every day. Uh, so it's becoming even harder. Back in the day when there was three networks, 
uh, you could beat people over the head with your message, even if they didn't want to listen to it. Right now, it's so much easier to ignore that uh, because of TiVo, because of satellite radio, because of RSS feeds, uh, because of Hulu Plus. So there's ads in Hulu Plus, right? Netflix, yeah. whatever, mm-hmm. all kinds of ways to get the content now without necessarily seeing ads. Um, but let's talk about this concept that two thirds of people still watch live TV. Are they paying attention to the ads, whether they're relevant or not? A fairly, this is from the article, and this is the last little English twist. A fairly common perception is that ad breaks are an opportunity for a lot of viewers to take comfort breaks, put the kettle on, check their email, or go on Twitter. <laughs> put the kettle on. That's, That's very, cute. That's well, very British. Very English. I was going to say, he's, is he from London? Well, I mean, he's British, yes. British. They drink their Earl Grey, so. That's right. So the article goes on to cite different research points that have dramatically different data Mm -hmm. on this, right? So in 1992, pre-internet age, uh, a study found that almost half of viewers leave the room for at least part of the time when ads are showing. That seems like a huge stretch to me. You think about this country and our obesity problem, half the people are not getting up every commercial break. They may not be paying attention to ads, but they're not leaving the room. Maybe they're getting up to go to the fridge. Every commercial break? That means they're getting up like three times every half hour. Most people don't leave their couch no, bring once their, an hour. You bring your food with you to the, the bag couch burritos. before the show even starts. <laughs> and usually they've got like a, you know, they got like a pot by them so they can just pee right on the couch. And, <laughs> oh, <laughs> ah, bathroom. <laughs> okay, so then there's other stories that say, no, that's not correct. Uh, a study for the U.S. Council for Research Excellence found that there was neither a tendency to channel hop or leave the room while TV ad was on which, of course, isn't to say those viewers are paying much attention. That's where I think it's at. I think it's a little overblown to say that people leave the room or utterly ignore <clears throat> commercials. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think a lot of people like me will skip through them uh, if you have that power. And I don't know what the, the penetration of TiVo is or TiVo DVR-like right. technology, but it's pretty high. Uh, but the article goes on to talk about the real issue is now your TV is competing with other things. And that's so true. Mm-hmm. Now, again, we're, we've, we have a little cloistered focus group among us, right? I and mean, we certainly don't represent the United States as a whole, but I can tell you Speak that for, for me, I've got my <laughs> iPad and usually my iPhone nearby commercials come on. And if I'm too lazy to push the skip ahead button, I'll be surfing the net. Right. Or you end up having a conversation with the person next to you. If you're watching it with someone right. else, or it's like, don't talk to me until commercial break. Right. So we'll post a link to this article, but the conclusion says, as a result, increasing number of viewers aren't off the grid when it comes to TV. That, however, accessing it in a different way and their media consumption is no longer linear. That also means that the primacy of TV is changing and the often used term of the second screen, which I thought Adam would applaud this, with the assumption that TV is the first, is no longer really accurate. There are several screens on at once, all competing for attention. Yeah, and the, the big the big push right now is for technology to get to a point at which the second screen can complement the first the primary screen, so they can go hand in hand. I believe I heard just yesterday that Brightcove, um, which is an online video platform, is working on technology to make that happen. So that um, uh, let's say you were watching Fox and you're watching one of your favorite shows, um, that Fox would have an app, presumably an app. Uh, that would run that would basically be synced with um 
with with their what they're broadcasting not so that you're watching what's broadcasting necessarily on the ipad or your phone or whatever mm-hmm. um but that you there's something there that's complementing what's on so whether it's integrated to social media whether it's just supplemental information on whatever it is that you're watching um something to go hand in hand so that that second screen is not a not a complete disconnect from the primary screen they're trying mm-hmm. to figure that out so it's an it's interesting yeah I don't know it if it'll, I don't know. It's hard, hard to know if that would take off or not. I mean, I guess if it's done in a way that people find valuable. I mean, a lot of times the second screen is, I think, intentionally kind of a, a distraction or oh. something different than what's on the main screen. Um, and I think maybe there's something consoling about that, if that's the right word. As a, as maybe it helps you justify sitting in front of the TV, knowing that maybe you're a little bit connected, you know, doing something else that you're kind of multitasking. So suddenly the second screen becomes an extension of the first screen. I don't know if that's really, you know, maybe we, we lose something there, you know, in terms of how we feel about ourselves while, while engaging in said activity. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Well, I know that I use the second screen to watch. I'm not even going to call it TV anymore. I'm going to call it content. Yeah. Um, mm. Not as much. I mean, if I watched if, I don't watch a ton of TV. Um, there's really only yeah, certain, like I rarely sit down and just what's on TV. Oh yeah. It's totally. usually shows I want to watch. And mm-hmm. increasingly, I mean, Adam is maybe way ahead of me on this, but you know, I'm a huge fan of HBO and while I'd rather watch it on my nice 50 inch HD, sometimes, you know, like last night went to bed and watched the Sopranos. I'm going through the Sopranos again and watched an episode on my iPad mm-hmm. just because I don't know. I mean, I could have watched it on, well, actually I couldn't watch it on my TV because I only get access to it through HBO Go, which is internet-based, and I don't have the technology with my TV to access the internet, which ah. is odd. <laughs> I'm trying to rectify that. But yeah. still, I felt fine doing it, you know, and I've done that in the past. So, mm-hmm. uh, And there's so much, you know, DirecTV, uh, all, all these content channels, uh, Comcast, whatever, are starting to provide their content through the internet. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're a subscriber, it's basically free right uh it's pretty powerful you know and that's really going to break down the the first screen but that but all of this how is it relevant to us uh it just means you really have to think about what you're putting out there and whether it's going to be effective mm-hmm. right I mean, in a nutshell now we've been saying for a long time that you know you you know, TV, radio, billboards, I mean, these are all the media that we just tend as, as healthcare marketers to just default to without even thinking about why we're using these tools. Um, we've been huge advocates for a long time of not just defaulting to these things for the sake of, you know, tradition. That's what we've been doing. We're going to keep doing it. Um, at least now there's some, I mean, if, if there wasn't evidence in the, in the past to back up that stance, there certainly is now, which is the way, I mean, you can't deny the direction that TV is, is heading. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't deny the ineffectiveness of billboards for many messages. Just driving, you drive down the road. You there's, I mean, if you're in a Metro area, you're just blasted with a dozen of them within the first 30 seconds. I mean, can't stand out that way. It's an ineffective way to get a lot of messages across that said, it's also an effective way to get some messages across. Don't get me wrong. Um, but no, I love this kind of stuff. Cause it just helps back up what we've been screaming from the rooftops for right many years now mm-hmm. right and that is the key it's not that tv doesn't have value it's not that outdoor doesn't have value right. and a lot of times uh, you know when i speak or on the show or on our content we exaggerate to make a point 
Um, but the point is what Adam just said. You really need to stop and think about the channels you're using, why you're using them. Uh, you don't use stuff just because you've done it in the past or you're being told to use it or you're crossing your fingers and thinking, well, you know, I'm going to get 3 million impressions with this, with this billboard by mm -hmm. the value of those impressions is, you know, put them in a shoebox, really. So certainly valid reasons to use all these channels you just have to really think about. And, and the world is changing, you know? The world right. is changing. And at some point, video, video advertising is going to be as powerful as TV advertising to this, this whole topic if people are shifting to offline. This content still has to get paid for somehow. And video advertising is, you know, a growing part of that. Mm-hmm. But like search engine marketing, some other new tools, a lot of hospitals and health systems aren't taking advantage of that. So got to move them there. All right. On to the next. Or do we have time for the next? How are we doing? Give me a, give me a time count. We've got a, few, we've got a few minutes. All right, real quick. Article that Adam posted from uh, a blog or website. Which is it, Adam? What is the... Um, Search engine land. Uh, you know, it's Call tough. A blog I don't even know how you how you do, you know, how you classify the sites like this. You know, sites like Mashable, ReadWriteWeb, uh, Search Engine Land, which is the one this article is from. They're well, they're 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 pretty trusted review, news, opinion, mm -hmm. data set sources. I mean, they're, it's hard to it's hard to really classify them into. I mean, it's it's a website, I guess. <laughs> for this, like, yeah, no it's almost like a say it. publisher. It's just web based publisher, right? Uh, but they have some good stuff. We've we've used their stuff before. Uh, this article is called Yelp Elevated by Apple Relationship, second only to Google in local importance now. And in fact, the article says. Um, Google and Yelp are now the twin poles of local and local SEO. So Adam, why don't you give us a really quick synopsis of what they're talking about and the relevance? Sure. Well, basic, the, the gist of the article is that you can't afford to not be paying attention to Yelp. Most likely, if you're, if you're listening to this podcast, um, you're probably already at a level where you are in Yelp, hopefully, or have been paying attention to it. Um, but Yelp has been on the has been on the rise. It's been on the rise since it came out, but um, especially since uh, it's uh, engaged in a few endeavors with uh, well, primarily now the big one that's that's bringing it to the top again in terms of news is its is partnership with uh, well, not necessarily partnership, I should say, but how it's going to be integrated into the new iOS for iPhones. Um, as you probably know, the iPhone is moving away from or iOS is moving away from. Uh, starting to kind of ditch Google. Uh, Apple's developing its own map platform, uh, and they're going to be using Yelp to pull in all of the, all of the data for all the locations on there. Um, and it's really, I mean, you can't think of map platforms today as just a place to go get maps. They're a place to find where to have lunch, where to have dinner, yeah, where to meet your true. friends. Uh, and Apple's saying, you know, Google, here's the you know, big middle finger. You know, they're, they're getting rid of them. <laughs> um, and they're bringing in Yelp, and they also have a partnership with Bing recently, and just on their own, they're huge. Uh, huge from an organic SEO standpoint. Hell, you go search Google, and a lot of times you're not going to find Google reviews. You'll find Yelp reviews. Right. Um, but the point is, uh, from an SEO perspective, and just um, you know, not even just SEO, but from being fine on these on these rising map platforms, if you're not on Yelp, you're in trouble because that's where a lot of these sources are pulling their their uh, location information from, uh, and you need to own it. 
You can right. be present on there uh, without owning your information, but it's really in your best interest to own it. Does it cost money to own a yacht? I don't even know. No. Uh, there might be benef- There might be ways you can pay to do more with it, but yes, I'm pretty sure, sure it's free. Is. It's free to claim, uh, so that you, as far as I know, because I mean I, we've claimed our own, and I don't believe we pay anything for it. I know Yelp has gotten in trouble. In fact, I think I just saw that there was a class action lawsuit against them that got dismissed, and I don't know if it was for this reason, but I'm pretty sure uh, because Yelp offers uh, it's some we'll call it extortion because they'll go to business and say, hey, you can pay to have your positive reviews push to the top oh yeah yeah uh and they and they yeah, identify them but they're it's hard to, to, to note that that you know mm-hmm. that is the case and so and they've been accused of posting or having people post negative reviews to kind of coerce a business say look you get negative reviews you better pay us to right. put the positive oh that's naughty there. it's kind of naughty yeah and it's and it goes back to um i don't know whether they do that or not i mean you should really dig in for yourself uh, but boy, you got to know what to trust mm-hmm. online. And, you know, a lot of people use Yelp, but you know, if you, if you knew that they were doing that and, and making money off of that, it kind of is like the other things we talk about, like awards, where there are companies that sell or, or charge a heck of a lot of money yeah. for hospitals to tout awards. If consumers knew that hospitals were paying to tout those awards, would they value them as much? Mm-hmm. If people knew that Yelp was, you know, charging for review businesses for reviews to push up, would they trust that as much? Right. So you really kind of caveat mTOR and all that, but that 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 goes to say, and even for even for resources that are totally free and supposedly unbiased, um, you have to be careful uh, how you trust reviews. We've talked about reviews a you know a million times on this podcast, whether it's you know based on from a marketing perspective or just from a personal opinion perspective. Um, you know, it could be Amazon, it could be eBay. Got to careful. eBay is a little more. I mean, at least with eBay, you've got to like have actually had an interaction with somebody to be able to post, you know, whether or not they were a good seller or a bad mm-hmm. seller. Um, so that, resources like that are, I think, are fairly trusted. But you know, places like Amazon, I believe Amazon, you don't necessarily have to have purchased a product to be able to write a review on it. Um, it you know, you gotta you gotta be careful because you, yeah. you don't you don't know what somebody's motivation is for posting if they're trying to build their own. <clears throat> build their own product or service up, whether they're trying to tear down the competition, um, you know, whether or not the, the resource, be it Yelp, Google, whoever is encouraging the behavior or has an incentive to drive the behavior. Even if they don't, you have to be careful because yeah. people can do it on their own with motivations. I think that when I went through my MBA, that was one of the, there's like a few things that I'll always hold with me. And that was one that in some of the courses, the philosophy was like around data and research your mindset going into any data that you're looking at should be skepticism should be who's behind it. What's their incentive? Why are they posting what they're posting? Whether it's a review or paper or whatever. Uh, This actually came up recently because uh, on one of the shush midlifters, somebody asked again about an award. Mm -hmm. We've got this award. Is there any value? And of course you get the onslaught of boom, boom, boom. Um, and somebody um, cited a study done by Thomson Reuters recently that showed that high-income people um, overwhelmingly say that they would value or, or value awards and rankings in, in judging. Across Thomson Reuters. Well, that's the thing. And I don't mean to ding Thomson Reuters. They have a new name now, too. I'm not sure what that is. I'm not trying to cast aspersions at them. And Thomson Reuters does not charge hospitals to tout when they get a 100 top hospital award right? Right, right so so 
So theoretically, they don't have incentive to do it. But overall, that's part of their brand is this Thomson mm-hmm. Reuters 100. And so it definitely is in their interest to, to, to want people to think that that is a valued asset. Right. right. And so I'm not, I have no idea what the sur- survey says. I have not read it. But my first thought is, well, look at the source. So I would enter that conversation with a heavy dose of skepticism about where that information is coming from. Mm-hmm. And as many people pointed out, you put on a survey, would you value knowing the ranking or quality level of a hospital? Who's going to say no? Right. right. Yes, right. of course. Who's going to say no? I don't want to I don't no want to know. I don't care whatever. Sorry, I'm getting animated. <laughs> of course you would want to know. Does that impact your behavior? That is the question. And consumers themselves will have a hard time answering that. Right. You have to you have to look at that and evaluate that, not ask them. All right, soapbox put away. <laughs> we better end it now, right? All right. So end that was a, that was an animated. Yeah, he's knocking over microphones and. I had an extra large latte this morning, so I apologize for the watch out spirited. <laughs> All right, so uh, we may or may not be back next week. Uh, we're planning on it, but with the holidays, you never know. So, uh, but I think we're going to try. Mm-hmm. Uh, so enjoy your fourth, the worst day ever to have a fourth of July on Wednesday. I like it. You like it? Yeah, you I like mean, it, it kind of breaks up the week. And then, you know, everyone's, the whole week's kind of screwed up. <laughs> I find it horrific. Really? Yes, because for most people, they get the fourth off and they got to go back to work on the fifth. That's, well, that's awful. True. How about yeah. That's why you don't do, do kids that. Get the, kids get the fourth off for school, right? They're all, all kids are off anyway. Yeah, summer. Oh, it's summer, isn't it? Yeah. This will be This will become second nature again once my kids, kids uh, yeah. are school age. It is right interesting now. how you forget all that. Yeah. It comes back. You really do. All right. So hopefully we'll see you next week for Arrogant Healthcare Barking Bastards. This is Chris Bevelo. Jackie Ritaco. And Adam Meyer. See you, Ethan. 